I'm going to be teaching on this morning on staying focused with your vision, with what you see on the inside of you, where you want to go, and how you get there. I mean, there's lots of distractions. Everybody know what a distraction is? And sometimes I think we know, sometimes I know we allow the distractions to move us off of center. We'll talk about some of that. And, you know, if, if this is your vision and this is what you see, there's always going to be distraction here and here and here and here. And sometimes we find ourselves chasing those distractions and trying to make them, you know, we're going to fix the distractions of somebody else. That never works. And what it does, it takes away from your progress of where you want to go. And so we're going to be sharing on several things about that this morning. But in uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, one of the a books that I've read several years ago uh, it has a meaning for vision. It says, vision is a direction, it's motivation, it's joy, it's passion, it's energy, it's creativity, it's commitment, and it's a sight mentally. This direction, motivation, joy, passion, energy, Com uh, creativity, commitment, and a sight mentally. Now, if you take that verse and you use this, these meetings, it goes like this. Where there is no direction, where there is no motivation, where there is no joy, which is your strength, where there is no passion, there's, and where there's no energy, and where there's no creativity, where there's no commitment, and where there's no sight mentally, the people perish. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I'm just going to paraphrase these verses. The first verse, it says, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. I will watch, that means to look. I will watch to see what he will say. We generally watch to see what somebody does. But this says, I'm going to watch to see what he will say. Why does it say it that way? Because what he says is where he is going. I will watch to see what he says. I'm going to watch to see what the words that he's speaking, what picture they're painting. Words paint pictures. If we're ever going to be successful in anything that we do, we have to understand that our words, if we're going to share our vision with others, 
we're going to have to paint a picture with our words so they can see what we're saying. You've heard this. You know, somebody tells you something, I just can't see that. And he said, well, let me say it again. And they say it again, and then I, said, I still can't see it. Then the janitor comes in, and, he's, and you, you, you know the janitor, and you say, look, come up and explain what I'm trying to say. And he, listen, what I've found is that they will sometimes explain it in such a fashion that people can see it. Are you, are you here? Sometimes we get up here, maybe we've promoted ourselves to that position, when in fact people don't see what we're saying. You know, I, I've heard this many times. <laughs> One of the biggest problems I think that the church has is that we the preachers have made it difficult <laughs> We've made a simple message difficult so that people, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just talking, I don't think so, will do that so that people will think we know when in fact sometimes we don't. And then the next verse, he says, I want you to write the sight mentally down. I want you to write the vision down and make on tablets and make it plain so others can see it and run with it. In other words, the vision that you have is on the inside of you. And in order to fulfill that vision, that that you see on the inside must come from the inside to the outside in a simple format so that people can see what you see on the inside. Does that make sense? And the way, you, listen, I think leadership needs to do this. I, I mean, to me, we as leaders need to, we, we focus on where we're going. We ask questions to ourselves to get more in information about where we're going and how to get stuff that we want to do. And we share that as often as we can with particularly those that are, you know, in leadership. And we paint pictures. We're over a cup of coffee. We'll say things in a different fashion. And they, th and you see, listen, once they see it, they understand. If you can't see it, you don't understand it. Why is it that the church, the overall church, particularly with, uh, you know, grace churches, word of faith churches, whatever, spirit-filled churches, what is it that causes uh, the, a lot of the churches, people say, I, I, just, I just don't understand it. You, you've heard that before. I just don't understand it. Why is it that they say things like that? It's because they don't. Why is it that they don't understand it? Because they don't see it. 
Amen? You know, Dean paints a good picture of grace. See, you beginning to understand, or maybe you completely understand grace. Why do you understand that? Because of the picture that he has painted from time to time to time. Well, you've already painted that picture. No, we're going to add another brush stroke to that painting. Let me say it this way. <clears throat> Your vision on the inside of you, when you don't know what that vision is, here's a good way to think about it. Your heart is the canvas. The Holy Spirit is the brush, and the Word is the paint. Your heart is a canvas. The Holy Spirit is a brush. And the Word is the paint. And as you go into the presence of the Father, I and we'll talk more about this in a moment, as you go into the presence of the Father, and it's you and He. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go, go ahead and jump ahead and make this statement. In Matthew chapter 6, you've all heard me say this in the past. We'll say it again. I'll say it again the next time I'm here, and I'll probably say it again the next time I'm here after that. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he said, go into your prayer closet, or go into your closet and shut the door. Uh, go into your closet. When you go into your closet, you're getting away from the world. When you shut the door, you're getting away from family and friends. Sometimes we want to get an item. I will just say, I, it's probably only me that had ever thought that. Sometimes you just want to get away from family and friends. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? But I want you to go a little bit deeper here. When you're really seeking the Father, when you're seeking direction, it's good to get away. It's good to go to your prayer closet and get away from everybody out there. And then it's even better to get away from, and I love y'all, but to get away from y'all. Does that make sense? Or for you to get away from me? Why? Because all that leaves is you and the Holy Spirit. Who's the one that's painting the picture? He is. But he can only paint what you see. <laughs> now, whenever that happens, look what he says. He said, and um, what you see on the inside of you is for an appointed time. What you see on the inside of you is for an appointed time. Or in other words, the sight, the picture that you see mentally, which is hope, by the way, the picture that you see mentally isn't for right now, for the most part. The picture that you see on the inside of you, there's a time frame that it is to be fulfilled. Are y'all here? Um, the appointed time, you know, 
one of the things that bothers us from time to time or interrupts those things is that we want to do it now. There's very few things that you see we got to go do now. Most things that we see or want to do is tomorrow or a year from now or maybe longer than that. <clears throat> um, one of the things that I have found over the years is that sometimes we will sabotage our vision because of time. Let time be itself because the Holy Spirit, God the Father, knows when it's time for you to fulfill that vision. Are you? And see, sometimes you and I aren't ready to fill. If the vision is for down there, and this is the second hour of it, and this is the third hour of it, and we're adjusting to the challenges that go on here, how many know that when you conceive a dream over here and the dream doesn't come to over there, then the moment that you conceive a dream on the inside of you, there's going to be somebody to try to get you to abort it. You, do you know what? Nobody ever tried to get you to abort a dream that you didn't have. <laughs> Why? It's not yours. The only time that the enemy tries to abort a dream on the inside is after we have conceived that in picture format on the inside of us. And so we, we conceive it here, and here somebody says, you can't do that. Oh, nobody will do that. What is that? That is a distraction from where you want to go. And you, you push that out of the way, overlook that, and you go to the next step, and somebody says, the bank called, they're not going to loan you the money. And you think, oh, another distraction. I was building a church one time. And we had a very wealthy person uh, that was in our congregation. They lived in Houston, Texas. And uh, her husband died. He was uh, vice president of Walgreens Drug Company. He didn't have this much money. It was kind of like this. And the Lord had spoke to me, and he said, I want you to put them on your board. And I said, I don't know them. He said, I do. I said, okay. I didn't know him. I had no idea. They lived in a very simple house overlooking a lake. <laughs> simple lake, water, you know. And, uh, but I didn't know him. And I finally got to meet him and to begin to visit with him and I found out that he was this person that was retired well they moved to Texas to be closer to their kids but they would she would come back they would come back from time to time and he passed and um, I I did the funeral for him for for the family 
And she and Robin, and I mean, they, they were, we, were, we were close with them. She, was, she loved the church. She'd come back up regularly to the church. But um, <coughs> I, uh, she's told me, she said, Vic, she said, whenever we get the estate settled, seven months, they've told, uh, told her, I'm going to write you a check to, to, for you to build a building. Are you? And it wasn't going to be just enough. I mean, she didn't tell me, but it wasn't going to be just enough. It was going to be more than enough. So I mean, tell you, I got busy and drew the plans out and had it all done and everything. And I was thinking, now, hear me. Sometimes we place our trust in what somebody says about money. Are you hearing me? How many has ever gotten in trouble with that before? How many has ever been disappointed uh, before? And I, I mean, I had this thing all planned and everything. And uh, she called me in May, and she said his estate will be settled in this month. And in June, we need to get together. She died May the 28th. <laughs> and her kids did not believe her way of thinking. So uh, I thought I did her funeral. And I went back and I was kind of depressed. D does that make. And okay, let's say, let's just be honest. I was counting on that to build our building. <laughs> and about a month later, I, I, took the, uh, I took the plans and I stuck them up in a corner. And I thought, I'm not going to do that right now. I'll just wait. And a couple of months later, the Lord said to me this. He said, Vic, uh, where's your plans at? How come you're not doing anything on the building? Me and my lightning fast mind said, in case you don't know, she died and took her, I mean, somebody else has got her money. <laughs> I know that's foolishness, but let's just talk plain here for a minute, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Vic, he said, I have more money than she does. I said, oh, Okay. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, build the building. I had $2,000 in the bank. $2,000. And we started the building process. And built it. Robin decorated it. She's decorated every church that we've built. She's decorated every home that we've lived in. She's a decorator, apparently. <laughs> And it was really, I'll be honest with you, it was one of the prettiest churches in all of town for this much money. And I learned something there. It doesn't matter. I mean, you have to know on the inside of you this direction before you can be comfortable. And listen... Every time, I was right here, ready to 
let's, let's, let's get going. And, and she died. What did I do? I retreated. Why did I retreat? Because I placed my trust in what she said. Now, I, I loved the gal. I mean, she was a sweet lady and very, you know, I mean, she was very good to the church. But when she died, I set the vision on the back burner. Matter of fact, I said it's far back I had to go hunt for the papers on it. It's for an appointed time. I personally think this, just me, one of the problems with the appointed time was that I appointed the time based on what somebody said. Forget that. Let the Holy Spirit reveal that time. Uh, in the 19th Psalm, oh, here's what I wanted to say, that I sabotage the timing. Do you know what I found over the years in dealing with pastors and dealing with me? Sometimes we will sabotage our own dream. And I'm, I'm going to explain some of that to you. Well, I'm just going to go ahead right now. Sometimes we talk about our dream before it's time. I, uh, I've done it. The children of Israel, or a lot of uh, the Jewish, uh, one of the customs of the Jews is to this. They have a dream. They have something that they want to do, but they wait, they don't talk about it, and they begin to build the dream inside of them, if you will. They begin to paint the picture of the dream on the canvas of their heart, and they wait till the picture is done before they ever begin to call it into being. What we want to do and have, and I, there's a balance in that, in that statement, I understand, but what we want to do sometimes is that we want to call something in that ha it hadn't even the seed hadn't even planted yet. And I'm not I'm not against that because people need to know where you want to go or where you're going. But my point is this: whenever see Nikola Tesla, interesting statement there with him. Uh, I read I've, I've got a book that I've read about him, and it's fascinating. This is a small book, but it says this in it. He said, every one of the inventions that he has created, he created it twice. Once on the inside of him, and then the second was on the outside of him. He created in his imagination everything that he was going to build he even created in his imagination how every working part was going to work before he ever put it together. And he knew that if this part would break, he knew how to fix it quickly. Once he had all of that on the inside of him, then he began to put the vision from here to here. Johnny Morse, we live in his country up there. And believe me, it's a lot of country. 
he's the owner of Bass Pro, if you don't know what that means. So, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal, but I, there's one thing that's really fascinating. Uh, Dean and Pat, they, some of you have been to the Branson area, and you've seen what all he's done there. I mean, it's amazing. Bass Pro used to be the most, in Springfield, the headquarters used to be the most popular destination for travelers in the United States. I'm thinking, Springfield, Missouri, is that destination? And then all of a sudden it began to not be the most popular. And I wondered, well, why? And that's because he began to build other Bass Pros all over the country. I think he's got like 500 of them maybe somewhere. I don't know how many. My point is this. You measure the size of a man not by what he says he's going to do, but by the picture that's on the inside of him accomplishes. When he, when he begins to build something, here's what he does. He will take his vision group. He said, uh, you know, let's just say he's found a spot in New York. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but uh, or maybe, maybe Tennessee. We'll, we'll do that. Found a spot in Tennessee and just you know, he found it, and he goes around, and he looks, and he begins to get ideas, and he said, I'm going to bring my vision team down here, hold this property until we connect, and he brings his vision team down there, and they look at the property, and then they go into a conference room while they're there, and they throw darts at, or or you cast a vision at everything that's possi possible to accomplish in that dream, in that vision. And they create it right there in a conference room, and he makes a decision, we're going to do this. But his vision team sees what he's saying, and then he turns it over to him. Are y'all here? Why does he own 500 or 200 or 100? I don't know how many there are. It's because he pulls the vision from the inside to the outside. And he communicates by painting a picture with his words. Um, my grandson is 14, one of them. Is 14, and they're taking him. Is it this week, Robin, they're doing that? Over to, huh? Sometime this month. Uh, Risa, our daughter, homeschools him. And they're taking him on a kind of a field trip, if you will. Where are they going? They're going to Memphis. What are they going to do in Memphis? They're going to, remember the old pyramid, the pyramid that they built over there in Memphis years ago? For basketball, I don't know if they ever played any basketball in it or very little. It didn't go over very well. Well, Johnny bought that. Or he's worked with the city to do something with it. I don't know. It's the largest Bass Pro in the world. 96,000 square feet. 
20 some odd stories tall. It's a pyramid. We've been there. You could spend a week there and never see it all. Not only that, up on the about the 17th floor, somewhere in that area, they have hotel rooms <laughs> that you can stay in. They range from three to five hundred to five thousand dollars a night. I'm thinking, why don't you put me up there sometime, Dean? <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm not. But I'd ask Robin, I said, well, what hotel they're going to stay at? They save their money and they're going to stay there. And I'm thinking, okay, don't call me and ask for some. Never mind. In Psalms 19, in verse number 7, it says, converting the soul. Converting the soul. Converting it to what? To the Word. See, the soulish man is our heart. It's our mind, our will, and emotions, thoughts, and feelings. And how many know that sometimes your thoughts are, do not line up with the Word? And how many knows that if you don't get into the Word, they'll stay unlined? And he says, converting the soul... How do you convert the soul? By going into your prayer closet, shutting the door, and not only talking to the Lord, but getting into his presence and let the Holy Spirit continue to paint the picture on the inside of you of what he wants you to see and do. And see, once you convert from not knowing to now I know then you can do something with that. He goes on uh, converting the soul. I think it's this way. Uh, converting the soul means to move from a convert to a disciple. John chapter 8. He said, uh, he's talking about in John chapter 8, if you continue in my word, then are you me, my disciples indeed. And then in the next verse it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Said this here before, say it again, we'll say it again another time. But I asked the Lord, I said, what? I, first of all, I asked him, I said, I was teaching you on this one day in my church in Mountain Home, and I, I I stopped and I said, Lord, I said, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I was talking about, I was trying to talk about truth. And I thought, I don't even know what truth is. And I said, I don't understand. Keyword. And then that was right in the middle of my message. And I went back and started teaching again and so forth. And I would, didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even know whether I should go ahead and teach. Maybe I should have said amen about halfway through and sent them all home. I don't know. I didn't, but because preachers don't do that, you know. We're not brave enough to do that. But I was having a discussion on the inside of me. I don't understand this. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And yet here I am trying to tell these people what truth is, and I don't even know. The next morning, I went into the office, 
the Holy Spirit said, I want you to turn to John 1.17. And it says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. I was asking about truth. I read it. I read it again. I read it again. And finally, I said this. I said, are you saying that grace and truth are the same thing? My question is, what is truth? He said, yes. And he said, Vic, he said, <clears throat> if until you understand grace, you'll never understand truth. And I thought, oh. So I had to find out what grace was. Grace is Jesus paying everything forward for you. It's, it's all done. And if once you get a hold of that, grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. There's two of me. I brought my twin. How'd you do that, Pat? You're just magical. I don't know. My point is this, until you understand grace, you'll never understand truth. Are you here? In, um, and you'll move from a, from a convert to a disciple. See, when you move from a convert to a disciple, you're beginning to understand you're beginning to understand why you and I are here. We're not here so we can go to heaven. We're here to take others with us. It's not about us. It's about them. In the 107th Psalm, in verse number 9, he says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You know, one of the, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that whenever you don't accomplish something, whenever you back off of it or whatever we do, and you try to forget it, and you lay down in the middle of the night and you think, oh, I long for that. I wish they, the bank hadn't have told me no. I wish, I wish she hadn't have died. And we just, we get lost in the longing and the pain of not moving forward with something that we saw. That is a distraction. James chapter 1 and, and verse number 2 through 4. James chapter 1. I love this verse. <clears throat> Verses 2 through 4. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when, not if, when you fall into divers temptations or tests and trials. Knowing this, that the trying or the proving of your faith worketh patience. The, the Greek says it this way. Knowing this, that the trying or the proving of your faith worketh out patience. 
If patience is going to be worked out, it has to be in first. Patience is a part of who you are in the, in the scheme of, of God, the Father. He lives on the inside of you. Patience is part of you. Well, why is patience so important? Because patience sees where you're going. Patient sees how you can get there. No patience stops the flow of, of moving ahead. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, let's look at it this way. Knowing this, I, I conceived here, I'm going there, but knowing what I have conceived, knowing what my dream is, knowing what I've focused on, what I am wanting to focus on, what I want to accomplish in life, knowing that, it's beginning to conceive here, and I move into the next phase of the, somebody attacks me here or something like that, and I get over that. Why? Because why can I get over that? Why can I get over the attack before it gets there? Because Why does the attack in the first place? Because the enemy wants me to abort what I conceived. And if I can abort that, if, I will, if he can get me to abort it because I don't understand something, then I can't help you. The whole purpose is to help others. And so I overcome that. Why? Because I have patience. Well, why does that have to do with anything? Because I can see where we're headed. We're not there yet. So I overcome this distraction. I overcome, you can't do that. I overcome, the bank says, I, I overcome the fact that she died and she, her kids didn't give the money. Are you following me? I overcame that. Because God spoke to him and he said, I got more money than she does. Go do it. So I overcame that and then I went here. And we started putting this building together and so forth. And lo and behold, I hired a guy that was going to be the contractor of it and everything was going to be great. And he ran off with the money that I gave him. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I told my board, I had an advisory board, I could do what I wanted to, but I, I, let, I had a real challenge here. We paid him X number of dollars to do one thing and didn't see him for three weeks. And being a little bit excited in my case, I was getting ticked off. I found him. He was doing another job with my money. <laughs> I thought, well, this isn't right. So we had a, it wasn't a high-pressure conversation. You know, it was a, if this is high-pressure, it was right about here. Uh, my blood pressure went up a little bit. I, anybody ever said some things you wish you hadn't have said? You know what? They will always come back to haunt you. I figured this out. But we got through that, and 
oh, how do I say it? I threatened him with a lawsuit. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Just So he came back, but he was really ticked. We got through that, and then we went up here to this. And I thought, wow, we're on our way. We're on our way. And then we had somebody come out and inspect the ironwork on the building. You know what we found? <laughs> we built a metal building, and we put the I-beams on the outside of the metal building and wrapped them up, and they poured concrete, but they didn't pour it deep enough. <laughs> And the bolts on that held the I-beams would just spin around. I thought, that's not good. So we, we built, we did that. We, I mean, it was a little bit more money, obviously. And then we got over here, and it was finished. And after a process of time, the place filled completely up born again, healings, so forth. That was the dream. <coughs> but we went through, I conceived it over there, but it went through all of this stuff, plus more, I'm sure. Uh, you, know, you know what I found? Uh, once I got here, people didn't want to do anything, you know. Oh, we made it. Well, it still has stuff. Oh, never mind. And he said, he said this. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh. The word worketh there in the Greek means to work out patience. Um, would you, are you, can you come up here just for a second? I didn't want to distract you from the baby. But look, if patience is on the inside of her, and it is, and you've seen this illustration with me before, and I'm going to try to stop you. I'm the enemy, and I'm going to try to stop you from moving forward. This is her recreated spirit, where truth is, where her vision is. But if her vision is only here and not here, I can stop her. How can I do that? Because I can push against this and say, there's not enough money. I'm sorry, you'll have to quit it. You'll have to abort it. But whenever she begins to renew her mind and gets a revelation of this as the truth, as it's the picture on the inside of her, then she doesn't even pay any attention to me. I'm your worst enemy. No, you're not. I am, but I've already overcome that because I can see from the inside out. If she can't see from the inside out, I'm going to push here and she'll stop. She'll reconnect, get back in, because she's got a lot of money invested in this thing already, to where she says, we're going to go move forward on it. Okay, then I'm going to try something else. And, and she'll say, I'm sorry, pressure. I'm sorry, devil. I've got you on this. We're finishing it. Does that make sense? Have you ever been there before? Have you? Several times. <laughs> we always win. You know that. You know what? Can I just be honest here for a second? Don't, don't throw a rock at me on this. If you give up, he's still on your side. <laughs> Are you? 
I asked the, you can thank you. I asked the Lord one time, I said, how big do you want the Institute of Self-Worth to be? And he said, as big as you want it. I thought, really? Me? I come from Jasper, Missouri. Why would you say that to me? He said, because I gave you the dream. I gave you the vision. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Does this make sense? Is it plain enough? Are we using, we're not using big words to impress you. I don't know any big words to impress you. Elmer and I are on the same level. <laughs> Is that right? Now, of course, I could get in trouble with Elmer for saying something like that. But, but see, I haven't picked on him for a while because he moved back to third row. I don't know what the deal is. But listen, we have to, how do you overcome that? By seeing the truth. When the devil pushes and you see the truth, it doesn't matter. There's a storm coming. Well, the word says, I be like the eagles that live, that see the storm 80 miles away and prepares for it. And when the winds of the storm come, adversity come, then we lock our wings and we ride above the storm and we look down on it. That's who you are. Eagles have the ability to see a storm 80 miles away. The Holy Spirit has the ability to show you a storm 80 miles away. It's not that, uh, you know, oh man, I didn't see that coming. I'm telling you, you can see it all coming. But see, you win before, during, and after every storm. It doesn't matter what it is. You were designed not to submit or not to succumb to what the enemy does on the outside. You were designed to make him bow his knee or back off of you. He's under your foot. But if you can't see that, then he'll push you around. You have a vision. I don't, listen, there's not a person in here that doesn't have a, maybe it's this big of a vision. So what? Maybe it's this big. Where do you find the drawing at? In the prayer closet. You and the Holy Spirit. Where do you not find the, 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 the dream at? By talking to everybody about and letting them I, I, listen, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there and done that. I, you know what else I'm learning? This is really hard for Vic. I hate to even admit it. But I'm trying to learn how to be quiet. Hello? <laughs> Am I the only one in here? By not being quiet sometimes when we need to, we become the saboteur of our own dream. Why? Because we open it up to people to come against it. 
I don't know why I'm doing this. I have no earthly, none of this that I've just said in the last little bit is in my notes. Does this make sense to you too? Have you ever been here and done that? You understand why it didn't work the one time and now you think, oh, okay. And look what else he says. He says, but let patience, you know, I've got two or three other pages here, but I'm not going to get through to them. I'm going to probably, probably, I'm not committed yet, probably going to end right here at this verse because we could spend a little bit of time here. But look at what he says. Verse number three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh out patience. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh out the picture that you see on the inside of you. Why? What is patience? It's the knowing of the paint, the canvas of your heart, and it, that gives you your destiny. It gives you your directions for success. It gives you directions for the success of people like Elmer. And see, what are we to do? I want him to succeed. And if the vision for him to succeed is something on the inside of me and I share it with him, then I've done my job for Elmer. If Elmer can see that, then Elmer can do it for Connie or whoever. And then he goes on. He said, uh, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. He said, but let patience have her Patience is the, of the feminine gender. Patience is a feminine gender process. Hang tight. You'll get it here in a minute. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says, It's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises. It's through faith and patience that you inherit the, the dream that you conceived back there. It's through faith and patience that you don't stop here because you can see where you're going and come hell or high water, you're not going to stop. It's so, it's etched in our heart. That's who we are. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the dream. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. It's through faith and patience that we build the building. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a difference between faith unto something and the faith of something. Faith unto is the process of after you conceive a dream, the faith unto is the process of getting to the place that the, the dream is finished. And it's a process. You, you run into new challenges. Challenges are a process to overcome. But see, listen, know this, that you've already won. If the enemy comes right here and it begins to attack you, know this, I've already won. I know I'm going to have, I may have to adjust here, but I know I will adjust accordingly to win. And then the pressure might get a little bit stronger right here because you're getting closer. 
But same thing. How do you know you win? Because you see it. That's your focus. And he said, let patience have her perfect work. Perfect work. Uh, faith and, and faith and patience inherited the promise. Faith and patience. We've already know what patience is. Patience is the female. Faith is the male. Perfect work is, is the giving birth to the dream. Perfect work is another way of explaining perfect work is to giving birth to a child. Well, how do you give birth to a child? You've got to be pregnant. Somebody's got to be pregnant first. Well, who's pregnant? It's the wife. How did she get pregnant? Because of the seed of the man. They come together. And now here's the, here's the process. Husband and wife come together. And see, nobody knows that they've been together until about three or four months. And then all of a sudden they're beginning. Are you pregnant? Yeah. What with? Please let me just say what I want. It's because of the dream that's on the inside of me. It's because I'm pregnant with a child. Well, what do we do when we're pregnant with a dream on the inside of it with a child? We protect it. Why do we want to protect it? Because we don't want it to be aborted. We don't want it to, uh, you know, not, we want it to, we want to give birth to it. And so we, we protect that dream. How do you protect it? By knowing that you win before Every test and trial. Are y'all here? This is who you are. This is the truth. Jesus didn't just say, well, I'm going to leave. Y'all figure it out. He didn't do that. Listen, there's a lot of people that have never figured it out. Why? Because they don't understand. Why don't they understand? Because they don't know. Uh, can we show that video? Uh, uh, hold on. I've, got, I've asked Pat to run this video, and I forgot all about it. But this thing, let me, let me tell you right up front. You may not like it, but I, I want you to look past what you like or don't like and watch this video. And I'm going to show you something in just a moment. Okay, watch this. Huh? Oh, let's see. Oh, it'll get there. This is this is Tokyo Tokyo Myers on the America's Got Talent. Watch this and hear it if you can. Can we hear it or? I just remember just being in this place and it just looks like Hogwarts for music or something. I knew I couldn't afford to, to study there. It was so expensive. So I really made a, an effort to just work. For me, kept me out of a lot of trouble. Today, that would be the best moment of my life. Thank <laughs> you. 
watch. Watch him real close. Watch right about here. Right there. What I wanted you to see is what did he see with his eyes closed? He, see, he saw what he felt on the inside of him. You will see more things with your eyes closed than you will with them open. Hello? Why? Because when, when you see your vision, your plan, your purpose... When you see that, not only will you see it on the inside of you with your eyes closed, but you will feel it. Once you feel it, nobody's going to stop you. Hello? He was born in the hood level of London. And his dad bought him a keyboard at nine years of age. He practiced day and night. Why? To stay out of trouble. And I don't know, I like to watch some of the AG stuff because I like, to, I like the music, but I want to see who's there. I want to see what do they see. Listen, I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know. I'm not trying to determine that. But I am saying that he saw something inside of him with his eyes closed, and he did the whole thing, and he won the whole deal. What you see with your eyes closed is sometimes and oftentimes more important than what you see with them open. The reason is because you feel it. You even get to the place that you taste it. The taste of victory. The feeling of knowing I've overcome the test and the trials and we've given birth to that that's been on the inside of us. That's who you are. Amen? Does this make sense to you? Stay focused. You've got, you will have distractions today. And they're there. I mean, they're going to happen. Remember this message and pull yourself back over to what is important. And it's what you see. Amen. Father, I speak blessings over these people. I'm asking you, Father, to open up the eyes on the inside of them and let them see their purpose in life and what they are accomplishing in, in your name. Let them see where they fit what they want to do. Let them see growth. Let them see vision. Let them see 
purpose. And let them know that every attack, it's not if attack comes, it's when they come. That every one of them, they've already won over because of who you are on the inside of them. And I speak financial blessing. I speak mental blessing. I speak emotional blessing. I speak health blessing. I speak favor in their lives. Because that's what you have already done for all of us. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dean? Oh, we're dismissed. Uh, I think you can probably get in the line of McDonald's and get a good hamburger. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs>